Hey guys, uh, this is Michael here. Just letting you know that we had a little bit of a technical difficulty recording the interview portion. The audio quality is not very good. Uh, but the interview is only about 20 minutes, so if you want to hear me and James talk, we've got a lot of fun stuff at the beginning of the episode, and we have a good, like, solid 20 minutes of conversation at the end of the episode as well. So again, I'm apologizing for the in-between part, that middle part. Uh, it's only about 20 minutes where the audio is not great, but I hope that you'll stick around and listen to the rest of the episode. Thanks so much, guys. You're listening to Season 3, Episode 13 of the Attempt Adventure Podcast, a podcast all about travel, finding adventure every day, and seeking out new ways to make life more interesting. From Bangkok, Thailand, I'm your host, Michael DeRosiers, joined as always by my good friend and co-host, James Barrett from Longmont, Colorado. Nice. Love to hear it. All right. We are back, my friend. Um, We're back again. It's all good. We're busy. We'll get there. We, this is not a job yet so uh <laughs> no bear with us everyone that's right i guess or pay us your pick well true i'd like to take this moment to shout out our uh kofi page kofi.com <laughs> slash attempt adventure you can find us there and donate a little bit and help us make this a full-time job if you would like <laughs> <laughs> before we actually get into it though james uh we're gonna have a, mm -hmm. a great conversation today first most important question is what's new have you done anything new or adventurous I have. I was finally able to get out and about and up into the mountains. Did some walking around. I wouldn't really call it a hike because I didn't like go hiking. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. There's more going on little trails and hiking around, but nothing, nice, yeah. nothing crazy. Saw a wild turkey. I've never seen a wild turkey in my life. What should have been our United States bird. I, you know what? When I was younger, I used to laugh at that. I thought that was such mm -hmm. a dumb thing. As I've grown cool, older, right? I think, you know what? That actually would have been a great national animal. Mm -hmm. Bald eagles are rarely seen in the continental U.S. I've never seen one in the wild. Um, there's a ton in Alaska, but they're, I think they're mostly in Canada. Yes, exactly. And Alaska wasn't part of the U.S. when they were yeah. deciding the national animal. It's a weird decision. I believe that there's like a population of them in like Louisiana. I don't know. That's sticking in my head. If you want to fact check me, you can. The iconic bald eagle sound is not a bald eagle sound. It's a red. Well, it's hawk, a gold. It's a red-tailed hawk, right? Red-tailed hawk, or yeah. A golden or a golden eagle or something, something like, like that. Something like that, right? The actual bald eagle makes a really just kind of lame cry. Not that the turkey's sound is not lame. I'm not saying that because I will admit a gobble is kind of silly. But if we had to choose a national bird, I would 100% vote for the turkey. It is distinctly American. It is um, hilarious. It is delicious. It is delicious. Hold on, I'm looking at bald eagle habitat. Okay. Oh wow. What have you learned? They live within two and a half miles of the coast, bays, rivers, lakes, or other bodies of water. Okay. Because they eat fish. Right. Way up north. Like, it peaks down a little bit into the north, like the Great Lakes region, but it's mostly in Canada up into Alaska. The non-breeding population of bald eagles, so I guess where they sort of migrate to, the entire continental U.S. and parts of Mexico. And then there's the smaller ones where they live year-round including parts of Texas, Louisiana, Colorado. So there are more everywhere than I thought. Yeah, but I've I've never seen one in the wild. I've, I've seen never seen like one. Zoos and things, but... Uh, yeah, interesting. I learned something new. That is interesting. Well, great. So uh, so where did you go hiking? Went up to Boulder Mountain Park. 
specifically the Lost Gulch area. I'll send you some pictures. Yes, no, we'll put them on that. the website. Yeah, we went up at sunrise because the thing about doing stuff up here, at least for me, I personally really don't like crowds, sure. especially in my natural areas. And so, in order to get that, I have to get up at like five thirty in the morning, which is fine. Yeah. Oh, if it gives you a better experience, it's worth it. And sure. for me, it's 100% worth it. And then you can go do all your nature stuff. And then by noon, you go get lunch and you had a good day. But yeah, it was a beautiful sunrise. Um, well worth getting up in the dark. But I mean, it's just the colors were absolutely beautiful. It's beautiful up here right now. It's kind of warm this week. It's been sort of near record highs this week for temperatures. But the leaves up here are finally turning. Mother Nature has been slow. It looks very autumnal it looks great here i'll send you a picture just of a street in longmont that yes. kind of blew my mind because in texas in the fall you think of these beautiful colors right you think of these beautiful reds and yellows and golds and but um in texas we don't really get that it kind of just turns it, for like a day maybe but most like oak trees and things like that just turn brown and their leaves fall off yeah and we have a lot of like evergreens that just don't change mm -hmm. a lot of live oaks that never change this one's not a great picture, but I was just driving, and this is just on one of the streets near my house. Wow. It's, just, it's beautiful up here this time of year. I wish it was a little cooler, but they're expecting an El Nino year, which means our fall is warm and dry, and our winter is going to be miserable and cold. But yeah, so that's what we did, and that's sort of my sort of adventure. I had something else in mind, but now I can't think of it for the life of me. This is a great adventure. Most of the time, especially this time, because it's the second time I've We've lived in Colorado. Right. And the first time didn't really take too much advantage of where we lived. It was unfortunate. I think just weren't in the right mind frame at that time. And so now that we're back, I like to go up and do things like this just because, oh, I don't remember if I told you, we went back up to Vail a few weeks ago. Oh, did you? Okay. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't remember if I said that in our last episode or something. I don't know. So that was beautiful up there as always. Yeah. That was really before the leaves started changing, but it's things like that that make me remember, because this mountain park is only like 30 minutes away from my yeah. house. Right. Um, so I'm just like, well, this is why I'm here. <laughs> but yeah, so that's me. What about you? What have you been up to? I have had some adventures. They've been smaller than yours. I've been having some culinary adventures. Ooh. I've tried a few great dishes, and I'll send you some pictures too here. Hang on. Yes, please. I live vicariously through your food. <laughs> you know, food is something I love, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I have finally started to find good food up here. This is not a dig at the state, and there are some great restaurants and great food up here. Overall, I would say Texas has better food than Colorado. Texas has very diverse food. You can find absolutely everything yeah. in Texas. Um, but I'm starting to get there. I'm starting to find places. I've had a couple of great experiences. So... You know, I, I have my little side project, The World of Street Food, my food blog that I like to uh, post on. It just kind of helps me remember what I've eaten. So I tried something called Guitar Duck. I'm sending you a link here. It's called Guitar Duck because of the way that they cook it. In fact, if you mm -hmm. Google Guitar Duck Bangkok, you'll see some uh, some images of Mark Weens, the food vlogger. What they do is they take the duck skin and they stretch it out mm. on a sort of frame. And then they poach it with boiling water and rice wine, and they leave it to dry in the sun, and then they roast it, and then they fry it. It's this really long process, and you end up with sort of like glass-like skin that just is super, super crispy. I had wanted to try it for the longest time, and I finally did. 
And it was really, really cool. It was delicious. I, I loved it. It's kind of a little bit far away from where I live. So it mm-hmm. was a kind of a journey to get out there. It took a little while to get there. Totally worth it. It was a delicious meal. We had that. And we also had taking duck while we were there because that's one of my mm. wife's favorite dishes. So good. I just like duck. I do duck too. Duck is good. I love duck. I never really had it before I came to Thailand. Uh, it's one of my favorite meats, <laughs> I, I think. Yeah, it's a really labor-intensive process. And um, yeah, I had a great time doing it. My wife sort of surprised me. We had had this on our to-do list for, I mean, more than a year, maybe two years. And uh, the other day, we were going to go out and uh, have some lunch. And she was just like, I'm going to take you somewhere. And she booked it on her phone or she booked the, mm-hmm. uh, the taxi on the phone and didn't tell me where we were going. And uh, we just showed up and it was great. It was so good. Had a great time. And I mean, what, what 700 baht, which is what, 20-ish dollars? Five dollars, something, something like that. Something like that yeah. for basically a whole plate of duck. And we took it home. We didn't finish it. Because what is that, a whole duck? <laughs> yes, it is a whole duck. Okay, for $20 for a whole duck is pretty great. Ram Ruai Pochana is the name of the restaurant. They invented this process of guitar duck. I think they're the only place, at least the only place I know of, that makes it this way. Hold on, I'm, I'm going through your blog right now. I haven't looked at it since because I forgot about it. Oh yeah, um, right. The Burger King one looks so good. Let's see which which one. The chicken, uh, chicken with sticky rice, and the pandan custard coconut pie. Oh right, yes, yes. You know, fast like, food is better here. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, fast food in Asia is just a whole experience. <laughs> they have McCrap Prow. Yes, they do. Actually, their Caprao is really good. And they have a very, very good McJoke, which is like a breakfast rice porridge. They use the uh, McDonald's fried chicken in it, like a, the chicken nuggets, and it's really good. The Tom Yum Guy Chicken Burger. Yes, that was another one I tried. It's from a place called Nakon Moo. What they do is they take the burger, and it, it's kind of a gimmick, I admit, but yeah. they, they brand it with a Sakyant tattoo. And you can choose if you want the good luck tattoo, like there's one for love, I think, and there's one for wealth. And they will brand the top of the burger. The guy there will say this kind of prayer before he brands it. And then he gives you this card. You're supposed to read the prayer before you eat it. Puts a little gold leaf on top. For our listeners, a sakyant is a like holy tattoo or a magic tattoo that's given by monks. In Thailand, it's supposed to give you some protection or some blessings. Angelina Jolie has some. So if you look up Angelina Jolie's tattoos, she has them on her back. Yeah, the burger itself was delicious. It was a Tom Yum guy, which is a chicken Tom Yum. So there was a chicken burger and they had the Tom Yum sauce, which is kind of a little bit sweet, a little bit sour, a little bit spicy. Uh, one of the best burgers I've had recently. Oh boy, I'm hungry. Yeah, I'll put the link to the blog on there as well. It's theworldofstreetfood.com. It's just a side project I do. It's just something that I enjoy. Um, we started it back in 2018 when my wife and I, which was my girlfriend back then, when we were uh, staying in Vietnam for three months, we had so much good food, we decided to start this food blog to share what we were eating, which is fun. Just fun to keep up with it. So yeah, check that out too, everybody. Definitely. Links in the show notes. Well, James, um, we have a few announcements to talk about before we get into the episode itself today. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, guys, if you have not, do check out our Kofi page. If you want, <laughs> we're not going to force you. There is uh, no content hidden behind a paywall or anything like that. But if you do like the show and you would like to support us, please consider donating even a dollar or two. It can really help. If you do donate, you guys can buy us a beer. We'll have a drink or a drink of your choice, and we will drink it on the show and shout you out. If you want a specific drink, just let us know. We'll try and find it. I don't know if it's like a... I don't know. What's a drink we couldn't find? I mean, if it's like a really specific... Like regional drink. It'd be like me trying to find the Thai green Fanta. Yes. Or like me trying to find like 
something from like a microbrew. Like cherry vanilla Dr. Pepper. You're not going to find that. So good. Also, please share the show. If you guys enjoy it, if you have a friend that might enjoy it, well, why not share it with him? Or an enemy. Mm -hmm. If you have an enemy that you think will hate it, share it with them too. Sure, yeah, definitely share mind. it with them. <laughs> nah, listener is listener. Exactly. Also, one final announcement, James, before we get into it. A while back, we had the episode about the best travel gear under $50. And I put out the call on Facebook asking people what their favorite piece of travel gear or something that they would never travel without under $50 would be. And I got some great responses. A lot of these people you know, James, because they're people that we know in person. So our first is from Lori, and she says, Glenn, her husband, because he always knows the right direction. Next is my mom, Kim. Shout out to my mom. <laughs> she actually sent me an article a while back about how people will wear fishermen's vests when they travel on airplanes if they're traveling mm. budget in order to just save money, right? You just stuff everything All in the your pockets. pockets. Exactly. So she said the uh, fisherman's vest from that article, and I think that's great. It's not a bad idea. Did you? Yeah, I've ordered one nice, for our nice. upcoming Sri Lanka adventure because I'm going to be traveling budget. It's like the newer version of wearing all your clothes. Yes, yeah, yeah, like wearing like you wear like three three t shirts <laughs> and two pairs of pants, and yeah, I'm like, or you that's so uncomfortable. And planes are either freezing cold or burning hot with no in between. And weirdly sweaty, even though they're very dry. I don't get it. It's so cold <laughs> and you're sweating. It's like, what is this? <laughs> yep. Uh, next we have Aaron. So Aaron okay. says an inflatable solar lantern. Used it a lot when she was overseas. Also a travel converter and adapter, which is, I think, very solid. Definitely bring. I have a solar lantern. I use it for camping. I could definitely use it in traveling as well. You know, we, especially here in Asia, there's power outages sometimes, and it's nice to have a source of light if, you know, the power does go out. I would also bank on if you're going to be somewhere without stable power or mm -hmm. something like that, or they also have solar chargers too, so you can charge yes. your devices, things like that. I've got one of those too. I Again, I use it mostly for camping, but mm -hmm. really, really useful. I hook it on my tent during the day. Oh, yeah. And I come back at night and charge the You got up. power. Yeah. Next up, Jill says, nylon fold-up packable backpack with a giant zipper. Yes. A waterproof pouch in the back to cover it up. Agreed. I think the waterproof pouch on your backpack is also very useful. I had one of those big, oh, yeah. uh, you know, traveling backpacks, like a camping backpack that I used when I was in Vietnam. And we had a, like a, a waterproof cover that went on it. And that was a lifesaver because otherwise, I mean, you get to your hotel, everything is soaked. That's disgusting. No one, no one wants. To oh yeah, being wet. Everything gets mildewy and and gross. yeah, it's just gross. Yeah. And you can't ever dry out fully, especially if it's in a humid area. It never dries. Yeah, it's just no good. So no. waterproofing. So uh, like a fold up backpack, great. Waterproof pouch, also great. Two things. Mm -hmm. Stella said duct tape. You'd be amazed at how often it comes in handy. Agreed. I love duct tape. <laughs> I mean, you can do anything yes. with duct tape. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever make like a duct tape wallet? I did. Yeah, that was like a trend when I was like in middle school, like grade eight, grade yeah. nine, something like that. Very solid wallet. It lasted me a long time. Like, lasted me a long I remember one year for Christmas, I got a roll of Texas Rangers duct tape. Love it. <laughs> mm. Also, yeah, if you get like cool tape like that, like Texas Rangers tape, I had some uh, Batman duct tape one time. Nice. If you put that on your luggage, it makes it super easy to identify I just uh, wrap some around the handle. Especially if you're like me and you have a black Samsonite. Yep, exactly. Makes it stand out. Like everybody else in the world. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> Next up is Kaylin. Kaylin and I worked together at the school. And then she actually, I believe she served in the Peace Corps afterwards. Hmm. Uh, so she's she's quite a traveler. She says, I'm no outdoor adventurer, but I watch survival shows for a while. Seems like having a pot and a fire starter are pretty essential when you're in the outdoors. Also, a tarp comes in handy for lots of situations besides shelter. Oh, yeah. If you're camping, I always bring a tarp. Anything with a tarp. Exactly. I mean, I always bring the tarp for like a ground cover under my tent. Mm -hmm. But if you needed to, it can be shelter. It can be. It can be a shade. It can be a rain shelter. It can be a rain catcher. Exactly. Yeah. To gather water and go in survival mode. Yeah. Pot, fire starter, tarp, rope, and you're good to go. Uh, my old friend from high school, Brandon, he says, toilet paper. <laughs> Definitely agree with that one. I've been in camping situations where I didn't have it and it was not fun. So, uh, good oh, to yeah, have toilet it's... paper. <laughs> The moment you don't have it, you'll get like food poisoning. And it's useful for so many things too. Like here in Thailand, people just use toilet paper as general tissue. If you're at a restaurant, they'll just have like a roll of toilet paper on your table. Napkin, tissue, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's in a big roll. It's cheaper. And in Asia, not all of Asia maybe, but at least in Southeast Asia, generally toilet paper is not provided. When you're out and about, you are expected mm -hmm. to carry your own. So carry your own toilet paper. That's a little PSA from me. <laughs> yeah. Or some bathrooms you can buy it. Yes. You can like put five bot in the machine and have some, but don't count on that. Bring your own or know how to use the other options. Melissa says camelback with a platypus bladder. By far the easiest bladder to fill and clean. I love my camelback. I haven't used one in a long, long time. Um, I think one time I didn't dry it all the way and it got moldy. And then I like took a big drink. Well, you can buy the replacement for just a few bucks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they're great. I just, ever since then, I haven't bothered to get <laughs> another one. That's gross. I will say I like the like collapsible water bottles, the ones you can mm -hmm. like roll up. They're yeah. very good if you need to save space. However, I would say that if you're going to be like walking in the sun or something like that, careful where you put it in your bag because it can get very hot. If you're dying of thirst and you take, you know, 90 degree water. It's not as not as not good. Nice. No, I did carry mine. I guess the last time I used one was when I was on the uh, the trip with Carl to Pooper Doom back mm -hmm. in January. Uh, but it was cold then. It got very close to freezing at night. So that was not an issue. <laughs> no. See, water bottle. I would say bring a water bottle of any kind just bring a water bottle definitely um airports if you have a water bottle you don't have to pay for like eight dollar water yeah dasani i have mine i have this yeti tumbler that i use at home yeah. it doesn't hold enough water for me to want it as like and it's kind of heavy so i wouldn't want to take it like hiking or something yeah. but i need to get a new nalgene like one of those tall like the 32 ounce nalgene right. you can't beat a nalgene i love a nalgene you know, here in Thailand, they actually do have 7-Eleven inside the airport. So, you know, you actually have cheap options for food and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But in the U.S., you don't, you know. But what I'll do here is I'll buy one of those 1.5 liter bottles and I'll just carry it on the flight because I get so thirsty oh, yeah. on the planes. You know, they're so dry. If that's not an option, even just like go to the supermarket, buy one of those 1.5 liters, empty it out. And then yeah, drink just carry it, it and, then and then carry it with you. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then fill it up from the water fountain. Stay hydrated, folks. Important. Finally, Darylin said, my hotel room key which is definitely mm -hmm. something you mm -hmm. don't want to travel mm -hmm. without. <laughs> it's always so embarrassing if you lose your hotel room key. Yes, you have to go down and be like, can you let me in? And they have to like verify you your identity. Yeah, <laughs> can, you, can you give me another key? Mm. I lost it. But then they have to give you all new keys because then there's just a key floating around. Exactly. When I was in Japan, I stayed at a capsule hotel. And when I left, you, you know, you leave your key at the front desk. And I came back and... They were like, well, what's your, what's your capsule number? And I just couldn't remember. 
you know i mean like mm. I, I had no idea i was like i don't know and they had to like look up my name and and yeah it was embarrassing <laughs> so <laughs> you're like i really should have remembered that yeah yeah no i don't do that no it's it's getting put on the spot yes someone will ask me something that i know the answer to i was getting my wife's oil change the other day yeah and they're like okay and what's your address and i was like uh oh yeah the other day i had to do some banking and they asked me for my social security number and i just couldn't remember i mean i haven't used my social security number in <laughs> like a decade because i live in thailand i don't do much you don't need like, it <laughs> with the u.s i couldn't remember and it was so embarrassing I, like i remembered it like the instant i hung up the call oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> but like in the moment i had to like go through like do my like birthday and like my place of birth and like my mother's maiden name and all this other stuff instead oh yeah all the other crap. i just couldn't remember it in that moment that was the same with me they're like what's your address and i was like oh crap and then as soon as i drove away i was like dang it so embarrassing it's a good one hotel room key definitely if you got one don't forget it that was, that was good those are some good good little tips so those are some of the answers we got from our listeners. Well, James, today we are joined again by my uh, brother, Kyle. He's back on the show, one of our returning uh, sort of semi-co-hosts. Semi-host. Semi-host. When he left from Thailand, he had a layover in Japan one night. He didn't know what to do. He had never been to Japan before, so he asked me for suggestions. And instead of telling him like places to go, I did what I like to do when I travel— and I gave him a checklist, a list of challenges for just some quintessential mm-hmm. Japanese experiences. In this episode of the podcast, Kyle is going to be telling us how he fulfilled the challenges that I gave him. So there were things like, you know, have a meal from a vending machine or buy buy a beer from a vending machine and, uh, you know, get a blessing at a Shinto shrine and, and um, you know, stuff like that. Not specific places to go, but just experiences to have. Yes, right. Right. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So this is something I like to do when I travel. I will research a lot. Instead of making a checklist of the places I must see, I just like to look up things to do. The things that will kind of give me an overview of the country or or kind of give me the experience, the feel of the country, wherever I am. And so today, Kyle is going to be talking to us about his experiences in Japan, but also we're going to be talking about traveling with a set of challenges. And so that's what our episode today is all about. So guys, enjoy the interview. Here is my brother, Kyle DeRosiers, talking about his recent visit to Tokyo. I am joined today by uh, a guest, my brother Kyle DeRosiers. He's been on the show many times before. I actually think this is his first time to be on the show this season, but he was on the show a lot. I think you were one of our very first guests, if not the first guest, back in season one. Back then you were living in Israel. Now you are in Boston. Well, it's good to be a guest again on one of my favorite, if not my most favorite, travel and adventure podcast, (laughs) one that I'm a little biased towards. And yes, I was one of your first guests. I was actually just looking back, and I think I was probably your fifth or sixth episode um, of mm-hmm. the first season. But mm-hmm. I had a technically two nights, but one full day layover in Tokyo with flights that started and ended at Haneda Airport. And this was after spending two and a half great weeks in Thailand. I wasn't even originally going to have the stopover in Japan, but some plans changed, and I found a way that the flights were actually more cost effective to do it this way and I said why not and if I have to go anyways then I might as well make the most of it. Michael gave me a challenge which feels a little bit of Michael and James-esque and uh, they're not 
necessarily the things you expect. But yeah, let's let's go through it. I think it was yeah. it was a great sort of gain some perspective on on Tokyo in that in that 24 hour period. My list of challenges, number 1, and some of these are pretty easy. Things you could do pretty easy in Japan. Um, but if you don't have much time, here's what you do. Number one was eat a Tokyo banana. Yeah, and they're in no particular order. This is actually one of the last things I did. Right. So uh, well, tell me about that. Tell us if, if people don't know what a Tokyo banana is. You probably know more than I do, Michael. The first time I had a Tokyo banana, you brought it back for us a couple of years ago. And they come in these beautiful boxes that look like something from an old department store. And they're sort of like Twinkies, but uh, mm-hmm. more gourmet, more pricey and banana-flavored and shaped like bananas. Mm-hmm. But now I understand that they're all other kinds of Tokyo bananas. They're little anime characters. There's Pikachu, Tokyo bananas. There may even be non-banana-flavored Tokyo bananas. Mm-hmm. So they're this sweet in Japan. I had it at the Tokyo station, the, the train station. I believe in Japan maybe each neighborhood is sort of identified by its, its train station. Maybe it's the other way around. But um, at the Tokyo Station, there's this huge mall underneath it. Have you ever been? Most, a lot of them do. Yeah, Tokyo Station is insane. That's where you got to go if you want to catch a uh, Shinkansen train somewhere. It's a huge station. I mean, it's just massive. Has everything. But have you been in the mall? The mall is like this underground labyrinth. Tons of times. It's so just it overwhelming. <laughs> I it? had never seen that many people in my life. Mm-hmm. I really, really think that I was there at like four thirty in the afternoon. I was going somewhere else. I can't remember actually off the top of my head, but I saw the Tokyo Banana Store. I had to get one. Yeah, the station is overwhelming. I mean, it's a city of 37 million people, and you've got the main like hub for travel, not only in the city, but also throughout the whole country. It's it's a it's a big place, <laughs> but that's a great way to do it. Did you ever go at um, early morning rush where they like have to push you in the train, like the little guys with the white gloves come and push everyone in? I did not see that, and. I'm glad for it. I'm interested to see. I guess that really does happen, but... On the topic of food and beverage, the next one was to have a can of that Tommy Lee Jones coffee. So what I mean by this, there's a brand of coffee in Japan called Voss Coffee, and for some reason, some inexplicable reason, their spokesman is Tommy Lee Jones. He's on billboards, and he's on the side of their vending machines. I don't know why. He seems like such a random celebrity to choose for this brand of Japanese coffee, but there he is. So, did you get a can of Tommy Lee Jones coffee, and what were your thoughts about that? <laughs> yeah, well, the vending machine in and of itself is so interesting. They're on every street corner. You know, they have vending machines, like, we have trash cans. Mm-hmm. And But actually, that was the first thing I did, the first night I got there from the airport. And I had my cold coffee, and I mm. put the money in, and I got my money back, and uh, it was fine. It was coffee. It's just iconic to have him on there. Yeah, it's kind of like Lost in Translation, where Bill Murray is there to, like, promote whiskey or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like a, a random American celebrity. Maybe that was what that movie was a reference to. I don't know. They're about the same They're about the same generation. They're about the same level of stardom, I would say. Would you say that Bill Murray and Tommy Lee Jones are about... Yeah, I guess it probably depends on the generation, too, but... Yeah. Did you have the option to get hot or cold coffee, or is it only in winter? I don't. I don't know. I think there were machines with hot coffee. Because some of them have a red button and a blue button that you can push. Uh, uh, well, this one wasn't quite, unless I was just dumb to notice. But there were machines for just about everything. Playing cards, electronics, mm-hmm. liquor. We, we're going to get there. In fact, maybe I'll put a pin in it for now. But 
<laughs> that you could get something from a vending machine that I'm not sure if you would would you call it a controlled substance? Sure, I mean it's alcohol. And yet in Japan, people don't abuse the fact that it's readily available in a vending machine. Well, let's talk about that, because the next one was, yeah, get a beer from a vending machine. There were several of these on this list that were – there's two more about a vending machine. Well, uh, vending machines are big in Japan. Huge. They are big in Japan. <laughs> I guess you could also add this one to get a, a cup of sake from – or a cup of one-cup sake. I don't know if you got that from a vending machine or not. Do I did, did you get both? that from, I did both, both from vending machines? I, yes, I did. Okay, well, let's combine them. from a vending machine. It was good. You just push a button, and they ask you, are you over 20? And I said, yes, because I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the one cup sake, the same thing. I was on I was on a street near Ueno Park, and mm-hmm. it was like a little bit, you know, it's Tokyo. There's nothing really so so seedy in Tokyo, I guess, at least nothing that I saw. But it was near Ueno Park, and there were like pachinko parlors and stuff. So, you know, it was a, it was like a, a place where there were some people lording on the street, and I got my, my one cup sake from the vending machine at like three in the afternoon and I paid with a bunch <laughs> of coins. Cause in Japan, Japan, my coins are pretty valuable. So I yeah. felt like a wino. The one cup sake, I actually didn't drink it then. I didn't mm-hmm. know if I can drink it on the street and I didn't really want to. But I mm-hmm. did actually end up having it until I was waiting for my plane. I sat on the mm-hmm. t- lounge. There's a really cool lounge at Hanita Airport where you can mm-hmm. watch the plane drop land on the roof of the terminal, and I, I drank it then. It wasn't my, to my taste. <laughs> Sake is definitely an interesting flavor. But I checked that off the list. That lounge, or that deck, by the way, that viewing deck, that's one of my sort of travel rituals. Whenever I have a layover in Japan, I'll get a beer, and, and I'll go up there and, and watch the planes. It's really nice, especially in the winter. I've only ever been to Japan when it's cold, so... You know, it's really nice to sit up there when it's cold and have a beer or a cup of hot sake and watch the planes come in. But yeah, so what did you what did you think about that about buying alcohol from vending machines and and cigarettes for that matter are available at vending machines in Japan and as well. Yeah, it's interesting that, that there are these vice products as we would call them at vending machines and and yet Japan in most parts. Now there are some mm-hmm. there are some exceptions like anything sure. like in society, but in most parts it is so clean. People mm. are so respectful of other people's space, how much noise they're making. There's no litter. Very few times do you see a cigarette butt mm. on the ground, and people smoke. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah, like, to imagine, if you had the United States, teenagers would be abusing that. It's the importance of society, right? That's in Japan, the importance of having a strong society. I asked sometimes, I asked one of my uh, students, Japanese students, well, why don't teenagers just go and Get a beer from the machine. He said, well, because the drinking age is 20. Like, it wasn't – like, that's why they can't do it because it's against the rules, and they just simply won't do it because it's the rule, right? There's nothing physically stopping them from doing it, but that was just the response. It was just a really interesting cultural moment that I had with this student because the communication was like – I was asking, why don't they just go and get it? Because I was assuming, in, you know, in America, of course, people would just abuse that. To him, well, they just can't. The drinking age is 20. They just, they can't do that. <laughs> it was fascinating. Yeah, and, and I've noticed that in my couple of days there. Japanese people are very kind and polite, but they don't want to break the rules. I mean... Not at all, no. For example, I, I was had planned to check out of my hotel late, but then I ended up deciding to leave early, and I asked for if I could get a refund on the extra that I paid, which was like, you know... 20 something dollars but mm-hmm. I said why would I not get a refund they were they were so confused and perplexed yeah. by why I would like go back on that 
it's really quite an interesting, interesting culture and worldview. All right, another one was to have a meal from a vending machine. Another, since we're on the vending machine kick now, did, were you able to get a meal from a vending machine? Well, I I didn't get a meal from a vending machine, but I got a meal from Seven Eleven. Okay, that counts. So yeah, so it was actually pretty cool because it was also near Ueno Park, which is actually the first place I went in Tokyo, which I'm really glad for. Because it was actually a place I'd never heard about, which Michael recommended. And it was this hot, sunny day, and I got to go and see a lot of these beautiful Shinto and also Buddhist uh, temples and shrines. And um, in the park, there's a big I don't know, lake with lots of lotuses on it. Mm-hmm. And it was just completely green in full bloom. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so I walked to the 7-Eleven from there with the plan that I would take my lunch back and sit amongst the lotuses, the low yeah. tie. Yeah. So I went to 7-Eleven. I had a, how do you call it, a triangular... Onigiri. Yes. Yeah. And I had a rice dish with um, some type of steamed vegetables and meat. Mm-hmm. They heated up for me at 7-Eleven. And, of course, I had a Yabisu beer. So I, I thought that this constituted my full Japanese piece from 7-Eleven. <laughs> yes. Basically, all these have to do with buying things to eat. Um, well. So I took my meal, mm-hmm. and I sat in the park in the sun and got to people watch a little bit. And uh, it was a good lot. It's so interesting that 7-Eleven is, is like an American export. And yet in America, I, you know, I would eat the egg salad sandwich there if I was, you know, faint. Like on a road, like on a road trip or something? Yeah. yeah, or if I was like, you know, really like uh, desperate. <laughs> but in Japan, it's good. Mm-hmm. And in Japan, it's so interesting because, like, the clerk is up there. And again, he just asks you, or she asks you, are you over 20? And you say, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. you can buy the beer. And it's also interesting because they have, like, machines that count the money in the, in the 7-Eleven. So people mm-hmm. aren't even handling the money. You just put the money into the machine, and it yeah. spits your teeth back out to you. Which would be Great. a pretty nice job if you're a clerk, right? Yeah, really. Account. So, 10 out of 10 stars for my Japanese full lunch, 7-Eleven. Great. And Ueno Park is such a good place to start in Japan because, yeah, you get the shrines, the park itself is beautiful, and it's home to the National Museum, which is one of my favorite museums maybe in the world. It's such a well-done museum. And you did visit the National Museum, didn't you? I did, and I w- could have spent the whole day there. Oh, yeah, easily. But it's, the building is beautiful. Mm-hmm. The exhibits are so interesting and beautiful. There was... I, I can't remember which wing, but I went and I saw an exhibit on the traditional tea ceremony. So oh, cool. About the way in which the tapestry hung on the wall changes, is changed by the host mm-hmm. at different points in the ceremony. The way in which wow. the flower arrangements and the vase that the flower uh, flowers are in is changed wow. for different points of the ceremony. And that the tea ceremony, of course, the most famous part is the matcha, which is whisked. But it also includes food, and includes plates of food, which I never realized. And that there's this whole protocol. And also so interesting to learn about the history of theater in Japan. In Japan, you know, where it's a pretty, you know, pretty pretty closed-off society, pretty, pretty, you know, rigid sort of roles about, like, a class and, and, and what people, you know, how people would live their lives. And yet in Japan, you know, you had the theater where, where men dressed up as women um, in the theater for, for centuries, even though women weren't allowed to be actors, men, men could do this drag, the theater performance. It's really sort of like Shakespeare times, wasn't it? Yeah. But yeah, when yeah. it went a lot later than that. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, it was just a great way to think about like Japanese culture, see samurai mm-hmm. suits, and just like get a feel for the history. So I could have spent days there. I it's a great it museum. Oueno Park, by the way, is really really cool. And there's a statue of Ulysses S. Grant out there. I don't know if you saw that. Didn't see that. <laughs> uh, I can tell you about Oueno Park. Yeah. Um, I think what stood out to me the most was, and this was like a week a work day. You know, mm. going to the Shinto shrines, because I've never been to a Shinto shrine, of course. I've been to the Thai temples, and I went to the Chinese temples in Bangkok this time for the first time on, on the tour with Michael. That he mm. gave us the tour, I should say, yeah. that he developed. And we got to see Chinese temples. Um, but I'd never been to a Shinto shrine, and it was just so beautiful. Well, speaking of temples, you also went to the, the Meiji Imperial Shrine, correct? Indeed, I did. I did that right before my flight. I got so the the task for me was to buy a spell tag for Michael. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which are these sort of like good luck good luck charms that you can get. And it's for Michael's uh, future business endeavors. <laughs> yes, I need uh, it. <laughs> but we'll see, because I'm not sure if it works until it's actually in your possession or not. So we have That's to. That's right. <laughs> but it's sitting right here with your name on it on my desk. Okay, well, I will be excited to have some good success in business. But too ba- the thing about these spell tags is that you don't really choose them, they choose you. Because, mm. you know, I might like the purple one the best, but the purple one is for, like, protection for your car. And I don't oh, have yeah. Car. yeah, yeah. Then I have to get, like, the beige one, which is about, like, I don't know, like, like uh, <laughs> you know, your, your, your financial pursuits or whatever. Right. I'm like, that's kind of boring, but practical. Then uh, you were dispatched downtown to the busiest parts of the city, to, like, Shibuya Crossing. And you, Did you do that, the world's busiest intersection? I did. It was <laughs> a lot of people. Too many yeah. people. And so, what? yeah, let's talk about Harajuku and Shibuya. Let's kind of combine them together. So you had two things from there. was to visit the Lion Friends store and then take a selfie with Hachiko. I found Hachiko. I read his mm-hmm. black... And, and there were all these people in front of me doing music videos. Mm. There was a whole line of people waiting to take a picture with Hachiko. So I just took a picture of the people in line to take yeah. their picture. Have you ever yeah. seen the movie, by the way? I haven't. Is it oh. a Japanese movie? Oh, no, there's... A, well, probably. There's an American movie as well, but you will cry, so... Oh. <laughs> having only read the plaque and not having seen the movie, I know that... He was a dog, mm-hmm. and he was extremely loyal to his person. Mm-hmm. And when the man would go to the train station, he would accompany him, and he would stand mm-hmm. every day by the train station while his person was at work, and he would always come home, and, and then he would go home with the dog. But then one day, his man never came home, and Hachiko waited there for months and months, and people tried to take him in, or but he would just mm-hmm. plant at the train station. Mm-hmm. And eventually, not long after, he died, and they say he died of a broken heart, and that mm-hmm. he was the most loyal creature ever. Isn't that, isn't yeah. that suggested the story? Hachiko's kind of a, a hero in Japan, a hero of just how loyal animals can be and, and how loving animals can be. And um, and the last one was to go to the Line Friends store, to go down to um, yeah the, the busiest parts of the city. Did, did you get to go to the Line Friends store? So it's closed. At Is least it? I don't know. Harajuku is closed. Yeah. Oh, no. So I, that's I was, too bad. That was the one thing on the list I actually was not able to achieve. 
Mm, well, that's okay. That's okay. I'm very, I'm very sad about that. But I did go to the line store at the Tokyo station when I was looking for my Tokyo banana, and I did get a little towel that has the line creatures on it. Okay, and Line Line is a messaging app from Japan, and it's very popular in Thailand too. And they have these little mascots that are that are quite famous. Well, they're very cool. So those were your challenges that you completed. Oh, you missed one, Michael. What, what did I miss? To order a coffee in Japan. Oh yes, yes. I'm sorry. I can't believe I missed that one. To order a coffee in Japan by saying "Kohio onegashimasu." How did you do? <laughs> well, so here's what happened. So actually, it was the same time I ordered my to- enjoyed my Tokyo bananas. So I had just gone to Shibuya, and it was so many people, and I was so overwhelmed. Mm. And I had gone to uh, also the Tokyo station, and again, it was so many people, and it was emerging the rush hour. And so I said, I can't do this, so I'm going to go sit down for a coffee. It was a good opportunity to do uh, to order in Japanese. Yeah, and, and where did you get the coffee from? What shop? On the eighth floor of this office building. Huh. And I said the magic words. Which, Michael, what are they again? I, I don't remember. I had to look at uh, my notes. Kohi o onegashimasu. But it wasn't so smooth that I said it. <laughs> it was, I was actually surfing for it on my phone while I was saying it. And mm. the guy thought I was silly because he spoke enough English to understand anything like that. So you want coffee? But I had to do it <laughs> for the challenge. And, you know, I don't know anything in Japanese. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about structuring... Uh, travel this way, like if you have a short time to have a list of challenges to follow. How do you feel about that kind of travel? Because that's something I've done for a couple of years, and uh, I've always gotten a lot out of that. I think it's fun. I think it's fun to do a bunch of random things. For example, the Meiji Shrine is obviously incredibly famous and worth going to because it's so beautiful. But that being said, if all you try to see is the attractions, I think you might miss something. Yeah. But if you really look for the things that are quirky... Mm-hmm. Like the one cup sake, like the Seven <laughs> Eleven. Yeah, yeah. Random things you see, they actually give you an opportunity to go down a street you might not go down. You know, for sure. To try to take a good look at something you might not otherwise take a good look at. Yeah. Um, they seem banal, which some of them are a little banal, like to get a can of coffee. You know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. hard for me to say. Okay, why is this guy on this can in Japan? You know, <laughs> and and why is there a vending machine? At every intersection, and why are the streets so clean? And why does nobody cross the street, even if no cars are coming, if the light Sometimes is red? The street's like three feet wide. You're at least like some tiny little side alley, and people just wait for the light. And ordering a coffee, like I got to talk to the guy for a minute. I told him that I had been traveling in Thailand, which is kind of fun. Well, I'll tell you what. Next year, Kyle and I are going to be in Sri Lanka together with our mom. Um, I know we had an episode about that on the podcast, which I'm sure you can you can just listen to. But we'll be in Sri Lanka, so I think we'll be trying to do more challenges like this along the way. Little little things, little experiences that we need to have. The quintessential Sri Lanka experiences that we have to have while we're there. Yeah, so if someone can say, oh, that's that's so Sri Lanka. Kyle, thank you for sharing your experiences. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. It's always a pleasure to have you here. Thank you again, Kyle, for coming on the show. Always a delight mm-hmm. to talk to you about your Always. adventures around the world. Thank you for being a big supporter of the Attempt Adventure podcast. Yes. I think that's a really good point um, because I know I get very sort of – I freeze 
Mm-hmm. You know, when people are like, what do you want to do? Because I'm like, I'm pretty open to like experiences and things like that, but I am terrible about making that initial decision. Not so much because I'm always, oh, just I'll do whatever kind of thing. It's more anxiety about making the quote unquote wrong choice. And so I think for you and then the idea of making your trip around experiences or challenges sort of fixes that. It's kind of like a scavenger hunt. And it gives you more flexibility, too, because you're not trying to get to a specific place. You're just trying to fulfill a challenge in some way. And it gives you a little bit more freedom. It's not restricting in any way. It actually gives you a lot of openness. It's not like, I have to go here. I have to go to the the Meiji Shrine or something like that. It's like, I have to go to a shrine. And maybe that could lead you to some local neighborhood where you're discovering something that you never would before. Right. For me, anyway, it was a really good way of discovering somewhere new. I started doing this many years back. When I was working at the school, I had this colleague named Ryan. And one year on the way home, we both decided to take a layover in Japan for like three nights. And uh, we stayed in Tokyo and we stayed in Kyoto. And that's what we did. Before we left, we set a list of challenges for ourselves. We worked together to make this checklist. And uh, we actually made a video about it. I can put the video, the link to the video oh, yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. First video I ever made. And it was such a fun experience. To this day, it was one of my best trips. And I think that was because of the way that we kind of researched and we set these challenges for ourselves. You know, guys, I would recommend that. If you want to have a look at my Tokyo checklist, I can put that in the show notes, of course. But uh, yeah, make yeah. your own as well. Research and look up these quintessential experiences. Yeah, that's a really good idea. I like it. Well, James... It is now time for our favorite segment, Adventures in the News. And this week, it is my turn. And I have some fantastic news for you. Okay. The Texas State Parks received the National Gold Medal Award, recognizing them as the best state park system in the country. They won the 2023 National Gold Medal Award for Excellence in Parks and Recreation Management. I wanted to talk about this. Well, let's talk about the Texas State Parks. I found another article about the best state parks in Texas. This is from Texas Monthly, a fantastic publication. I'm a big fan of Texas Monthly. It is good. Texas Monthly, I I will say it's a good one. Yeah. And Michael, between you and me, it's a fairly liberal one. So that makes it even better. This is kind of a two-part Adventures in the News. The first one is just the idea that they won the award, right? That's that's the first article. They won this award. The second article is about the best state parks in Texas, and I wanted to talk about them, maybe see if you've been to any of them, and we yes. can share our experiences at them. So the first one is Balmora State Park. Have you ever been to Balmora? I have not. I know of it. It's a beautiful uh, like pool, crystal clear pool. I know people like to go swimming there. I think it's close to Austin. I've never been there either. It is fairly close, I believe. It's great for scuba diving because it is crystal clear, like Caribbean clear. It's a spring-fed pool that they have made into this giant swimming pool kind of thing. Yeah. But there's fish and turtles and wildlife. It's amazing. So uh, the next one is uh, Vincent Rio Grande Valley State Park. Never been there. But apparently it's one of the top birding destinations in the country. So got to go. They have a two-story hawk observation tower, Michael. Wow. You got to go. 360 avian species. I would love to see that. My life list, you know, once you get to a certain point, it slows down. Like when I first started birding, I was seeing new birds every time I went out to the park. I was seeing like you know five or ten new bird species. Now I've seen the common ones. My life list is slowing down. I, I need to uh, go somewhere new and, and then we, catch up. You know, when we <laughs> when you were here last, we went to went to the state park. Yes, and uh, Mother Neff. We were you were hoping to see some birds, and you could not a single bird. It was yeah, it was springtime. The trees were really full. We could hear a lot of them, but we couldn't see anything. Mm-hmm. It was it was uh, not a single. I don't think I've ever been out where I haven't seen a single bird. No, I, the the foliage was just too dense. 
We, we could hear, we were in the bird shelter. We heard all these beautiful mm-hmm. bird songs. Couldn't see any of them. No, not a single bird. Uh, next one is Big Bend Ranch State Park in Terlingua. I've never been there. I've been to Big Bend National Park. Went there a few months ago with my parents. It was an incredible experience. That's where I ran into that bear in the wild. I imagine Big Bend Ranch is very similar. I, I think it's probably very similar to Big Bend National Park. I've just never been. <laughs> next is Blanco State Park or Blanco State Park. How do you, is Blanco. it Blanco? Or is it Blanco? It's Blanco. Yeah, you know, in Texas, sometimes people like to pronounce things uh, in a very weird American way. But most of the time in Texas, the Spanish words gets gets pronounced I guess correctly. You're right. yes, I guess you're right. It's funny because you said Balmora. I don't actually know. I've always called it Balmoray. I don't know. I have no idea. I've only ever seen it written. There's no picture for Blanco State Park. Let's Google it. Yeah. They also have some pools. It looks like great swimming out at Blanco. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of Turner Falls a little bit in Oklahoma. Interesting. Sorry, I'm scrolling through real quick. And I, okay, I was afraid I was going to go through this whole thing and not have been to a single one, but there's, I, there's I, a I few. Know you, I, there's some I know you've been to. There's a few. I was like, oh boy. Next is Brazos Bend. I've never been there either, but it looks like great hiking. Nope. But in the picture, there's an alligator. So it's, it's it is right outside of Houston, which is swampy speaking of the brazos and speaking of alligators there was recently a gator sighting in brazos park east in waco so everyone's kind of on alert i think it was a pet that somebody let loose Mm. but everyone's on alert like be careful with your dogs if you're walking them at the park um this is the one that's on the other side of the river from cameron park Yep. apparently it's small but animal services have been trying to catch it and they they can't find it they're hard to catch because they they stay hidden most of the time especially when they're small it probably was a pet don't have alligators as pets. They're super adorable when they're babies, but maybe don't. Next is Caddo Lake, the only natural lake in yes. the state. It is. We have a ton of rivers. And a ton of artificial man-made lakes, but Caddo mm-hmm. is the only natural lake. Have you ever been to Caddo Lake? I've actually never been out there. No. Maybe with Boy Scouts, but it's been a long time if I have. I never have. <laughs> Cap Rock Canyon. I have not. Me neither. Man, we're, we we got to scroll down a little bit. Okay, a Again, few. There's uh, a lot, a lot to see in this beautiful state of you ours. know, <laughs> it's it's hard because one shoves the Colorado State Park system, mm-hmm. beautiful. But I think what makes the Texas State Parks interesting is how diverse the things are. You got swamps, you got mountains, you got ocean, you got everything. I didn't grow up. We we weren't an outdoor family. You know, I had Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. My outdoor experiences came mostly from Boy Scouts. Got it. You no, know, as a family, you know, we don't camp. As a family, we don't yeah. like go on hikes. We don't. We just weren't that kind of grown up. We just didn't do that. Yeah, I love it now and want to do more of it. But there's all these things that I have not experienced that are beautiful. Sure, and I mean Texas is such a big state too. Like we did these things, but we would go to the same, you know, three or four right. state parks. You know, I, Which are on some of them are on here. They but are. Yeah, yes. I would go yeah. to a few. I would go to a few state parks. You know, you'd go to. I don't want to mention anything on the list because we'll get to them. Yeah, Cedar Hill. Yes. Um, which is it's fine. It's not the best. It was just um, close. <laughs> it was close. It's close. Grew up. Cedar Hill. You have you know things like that, and because a lot of these, like the Big Bend Ranch, is like out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. It takes, you know, it's a couple hours, eight hours or so of nothing. And you're you're between towns and there's nothing out there. Most of these are in West Texas or central or Or like hill country or hill. hill They're in they're in hill country or West Texas, South Texas and North Texas, which is really sort of the Great Plains portion of the state where we grew up. Didn't have as much. No. Anyway, let's continue. Okay, next was Colorado Bend. Have not. Me neither. Devil's River 
never been there either. But that's in Del Rio. Nope. That's like on the border. That's way, it's, way, it's way down there. <laughs> uh, next one. I know you've been there, James. I have to. Dinosaur Valley. One of my favorite yes. state parks. Uh, one of my favorite places in the country. Beautiful. Uh, not only fantastic hiking, the fossilized dinosaur footprints are super interesting if you're into that kind of thing. The river's gorgeous. The hikes along the along the mountains or along the hills there are beautiful. I love Dinosaur Valley. Great campsites, great facilities. Just beautiful. Yes. Davis Mountains at Fort Davis. I've never been. Never been, but we've been over there, James, because we drove right through it. Like when we're going to uh, Carlsbad, you pass right by Oh, it. yeah, you do, you do, you do. Yeah. So we've been in that area. It is a beautiful area. Mm-hmm. Calling them... It depends. When you're there, they definitely seem like mountains. They're small mountains, but... <laughs> yes. Texas doesn't have tall, towering no, mountains. We're pretty flat states, um, really. We are at the very... The Guadalupe Mountain Range, and we're on the very southern part of it. Yes. That is the one biome that Texas doesn't have, which is like sort of mountain alpine kind of thing, which would be great. Could you imagine? It'd be amazing. And I'm a mountain person. I moved to the mountains. Well, not to them. If I say to, I, move, I live in the mountains, that's not true. <laughs> You're like a mountain man. <laughs> people get people get upset because I don't. Well, I live in I live in the foothills. If you're from Texas, you can say that. If you're from Colorado, that's true. You can't. <laughs> no, it's a very different thing. I live in the Front Range. Next is Garner State Park. I've been there. I've been to Garner State Park. Really, really pretty on the uh, the Frio River. Goose Island in Rockport. Never even heard of it. <laughs> Where even is Rockport? Oh, I know where Rockport is. Yeah, Rockport, it's down on the coast. It's a beach. Guadalupe River State Park. I have been there in Spring Branch. Have you? Beautiful. I stepped on a nail. That's where I where I stepped on that nail. Oh, that right. <laughs> um, but that was just because they that were doing one... construction, so don't judge them by that. Probably the best facilities I've ever seen anywhere in any kind of park, state or national. Their toilet facilities were sublime. They were air-conditioned. They were... Super, super. I mean, they're air-conditioned toilets, James. Beautiful. Yeah. Just and, bring your sleeping bag in there. You're good I mean, to go. You, you could. They were very clean. <laughs> um, but yeah, people, it, it, you know, it, it's just outside of San Antonio. People were kind of floating on the river. They were tubing. You know, they have a lot of tubing down there. Mm-hmm. Tubing Texas rivers is one of my favorite things. Same. Love it. none. It's amazing. Those hill country rivers, tubing down them, ah, can't beat it. Get a couple beers and just float. In that cold water. More than a couple. Like that one time. Get kind of drunk and (laughs) sunburned at the same time. You haven't had any like hydration in like six hours. (laughs) You've done nothing but sit in the bake in the sun and drink beer. And then you go eat food. Love it. All right. Um, So anyway, Guadalupe River, I didn't really get a chance to stay to experience it. I was just there for one night and I stepped on a nail and I had to spend like two hours in the minor emergency clinic while they dug the rust out of my foot. But... I will say that the park itself is great, and I would love to go back. It was beautiful. Inks Lake. I've been there. It's great. And I would say pair it with Longhorn Cavern State Park, another state park, but Longhorn Caverns does not have camping. Right. Camp at Inks Lake and then go. You drive like a few miles down the road to Inks Lake, and and that's where you can camp. But definitely go to Longhorn Caverns. Oh, yeah. And it is great. I have done, like it says, the Texan Rite of Passage where you leap into the Devil's Waterhole. I have Mm. done that. Have you? Okay. I have. Almost broke my leg. But I didn't, because you have to jump further, and I didn't quite get the jump as far, and so my leg caught some rocks. Luckily, it was deep where my other leg went in, so I kind of just went sideways. Mm. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. That whole area, beautiful. Lost Maples. I've never been to Lost Maples. I've wanted to for a long time, especially in the autumn. So you're talking about the foliage. That's like the only place in Texas that really gets that foliage, is that Lost Maples. Yep. Palmetto State Park. It's on the San Marcos River. Spanish moss, bogs. Wait, we got river otters? There you go. It says Central Texas Tropics. Hold on. It's an hour from Austin. Is it really? 
Where is this place? Palmetto State Park. Gonzales. Interesting. And they got river otters. Wow. It does look tropical. Look at all those ferns. Huh. Nice. Hey, if I wasn't going right. back in the wintertime, I, I might check it out. It probably wouldn't be very tropical in the wintertime. <laughs> yeah. All right, James. Next one. I know you've been there. Paladuro Canyon. Yes. It's Love so incredible that it should be a national park, but it's not. Should be. Maybe one day. It is the second largest canyon in the United States. Can You can guess which one's bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Grander, as it were. And I think that's what's keeping it from being a national park. Yeah. Is that it's only number two? Because like being the second biggest canyon is kind of like, <laughs> Great hiking. It is in North Texas, so they do get snow. And that's one place that kind of feels not mountainy, I guess, because it's, I guess it's the opposite. If you of go a down into the canyon, then it feels like you have mountains. It's the opposite of a mountain because you're going down rather yeah. than like looking up. But, uh, but it feels like it when you're down it in, does, in yeah. the bottom. It's beautiful. I would recommend go in the fall mm. or even the winter. Because in the summer, it is miserable. And when you're in Amarillo, stop by that uh, that steakhouse and, and eat their 72-ounce steak, and you can get yeah, it for or... free. Of course, we had to go there. I was there with my dad a couple years ago. We and I, uh, He and I went hiking at uh, Palo Duro. And, you know, you got to eat at that big Texan I've never been. Steakhouse. Ah, okay. There was a guy trying. He wasn't going to make it. He, you know, he was trying to do the, That's a lot of the meal, but he, he couldn't do it. Because it's not just the steak. It's like the steak and a side salad and a roll and a shrimp cocktail and like mashed potatoes. It's a full feast. In my head, I think I could do it. But I also like, I'm going to be honest here. I don't like steak that much. I don't eat beef at all. So. I mean, I, unless it's a good burger, mm -hmm. I can't, you can't beat a good hamburger. Specifically a cheeseburger. Because why are you not having cheese on your burger? Yeah. Unless it is a cheeseburger or brisket. Brisket is a different story. Yes, brisket I'm into. I'm not the biggest fan of beef, but smoked brisket, best food in the world, bar none. Big Texan Steakhouse is up in Amarillo, just outside of Paladuro Canyon. So typically, unless you're camping, you're going to be staying in Amarillo. So here's how it works. You get yeah, the 72-ounce steak dinner. It costs $72 if you can't finish it. So it's definitely not cheap. But yeah, it has a shrimp cocktail, a baked potato, salad, a roll, and the 72-ounce steak. You have to eat the entire thing in... Is it in one hour? I think it's an hour. Yeah. All right. So if you were going to do it, how would you tackle it? I, I just wouldn't, James. There's no way I could eat okay, that okay, much food. Okay. <laughs> I mean. I think I could eat that much food of something, but not yeah, that. Steak. I mean, if it was like pizza, I could eat a lot. Of, I can eat a lot of pizza. I, you know, Michael, I have lost a hundred, over 130 pounds. Yeah. I can still put down pizza. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I can, I can eat two pizzas if i want it's to. a it's a food <laughs> for me pizza there are a few foods that i just can't get enough of mm -hmm. one is donuts it's over sure i'm gonna eat as many as you put in front of me <laughs> if that's one i'm eating one if it's six i'm eating six and so on the other is pizza okay pizza for me is one of those things that i don't feel full until i'm done and i feel sick yes Exactly. I, I'll eat, eat, eat. I'm like, and then oh. like five minutes later, I was like, why did I do that? <laughs> I know, but it, you don't feel like, and I try and pace myself and like eat slowly. So I, my body has a chance, but no pizza just completely in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I could, I, I don't think I could handle this. I mean, and the rules are quite strict too. It says you have to eat the entire thing in the, in one hour. You are allowed to cut it beforehand. Oh, so you can prep. You okay. Can prep. Once you have started, you're not allowed to stand up, leave your table, or have anyone else touch the meal. You're disqualified if anyone helps you cut or prepare it. It says you don't have to eat the fat, but we will judge you for this. So that's funny. See, that's another issue with me. If it has like a big chunk of fat. Yeah. I like a little bit, like a little bite. 
Um, if you become sick, the contest is over. You lose. It says use the container provided. See, that's the thing. That doesn't even sound fun. Like, you're probably going to throw up. It yeah. just doesn't sound fun. And I've seen videos of people doing it. And I'm just like, why? Why are you, why are you doing this? When we were this? there, it was like this real skinny cowboy guy. He was like 20-something years old guy. It's like he was barely a third of the way through it. And he was really struggling. There's no way he was going to do it. I don't know. Yeah, just doesn't sound great. So uh, anyway, I I digress. <laughs> Amarillo. Um, sea Rim State Park. Okay, hold on. One more, one more question. One more question. Yes. Is it good or is it a gimmick? The steak? The, no, the... um. The, no, just the food at the. Oh, the food! The, I had a uh, chicken sandwich and onion rings. Mm-hmm. It was great. The food itself was good. Okay. The food I had was good. I can't speak for their steak. Also, I had been hiking all day, and after you've been hiking, everything tastes good, you know? My dad and I had brought like tortillas and cheese and like salami <laughs> to eat, you know, in the park. Oh, yeah. No. If you go on a long hike and then you go get a calorie bomb of something, everything tastes delicious. Great. Yes, everything tastes great. But I think it was good. I, I enjoyed what I had. Okay. Because I've never, I've always wondered. I've driven past it about a thousand yeah, yeah. times. It's worth going to if you're up there. Okay, next sometime when I drive through Amarillo, I'll stop. Sea uh, Rim State Park. Also, never heard of it, but it says that there are alligators out there in Sabine Pass. It's coastal, so probably around Houston, probably yeah. up in that sort of area with alligators and stuff. Yeah, southeast Texas and Tyler State Park. I've been there. I've been there a ton. That's one of my favorite state parks. We've been there. When we, yes, we when did. When you and I were there, it was very hot. We didn't go in the right time. Typically, it's it's really, really pretty. It's in the Piney Woods region. It's got uh, great trails, great mountain biking. So when I was in Boy Scouts, every November, we would have our mountain biking trip. It was dedicated to mountain biking and cooking. So it was always our mm. best meals, and we would go biking. So we'd go biking in the day and have these fantastic, elaborate meals. Everyone who didn't go biking would cook and uh, it was always great. I really love Tyler State Park. That's one that we always went to quite a lot. It's out East Texas. Really, really great. A beautiful park. Seems beautiful. And I would definitely... Well, we've been. It is beautiful. We've been. We just didn't go in the right time. Right. It was just very hot. Yes, it was just very hot. Uh, the, the trail around the lake is really, really nice. There is swimming. You can go swimming out there. There's a... Um, like, you can get paddle boats and kayaks and canoes. There's a lot of stuff to see. Um, I haven't been there in a couple of years, actually, since you and I went. But uh, it's a great park. Yeah, it's great. It's got the, uh, mm-hmm. the pine trees, and it's just beautiful. So so that's what they say. That's what they list. Texas Monthly lists as their best state parks. I agree. I haven't been to all of them. I've been to actually only a couple of them, but definitely Palo Duro. I would say Palo Duro is worth a trip to Texas, even. If you're from out of state, it's worth coming to Texas just for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely just for Palo Duro. Yeah, I would say it's 100% worth it. That's Adventures in the News, so... Awesome. That was great. The runners-up, just for what it's worth. So Texas won as the best state park system. Runners-up were Ohio, Missouri, and Wyoming. Makes sense. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Texas state park system was created by Governor Pat Neff. So we went to the first state park earlier this year, Mother Neff State Park, mm-hmm. named after his mom who donated the land. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful small, small state park. Very pretty. Very pretty. We have an episode about that. I'll put the link in the show notes as well. All right, folks. Well, thank you guys as usual for listening. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe. Please consider giving us a five-star review if you are feeling generous on whatever podcast app you use. It really does help us out. It helps us to grow the show and to keep improving it and make it better and make it more enjoyable and to do more sort of great stuff with you guys and for you guys. You can find more Attempt Adventure content on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We are Attempt Adventure. If you want to just listen to the podcast on YouTube, it is at Attempt Adventure Podcast. And if you want to see our videos, vlogs, games, and more, 
It's at AttemptedVenture. So guys, thank you again for being here. Hope to see you again soon next time. And until then, keep adventuring.